You're listening to The Actors Podcast, a podcast where I share what I've learned as an actor and as a producer. My name is Douglas Terrell, and I'll be sharing thoughts on the acting business, the art of acting, and a few other lessons that I've picked up from my experience as a professional actor. I've been fortunate enough to produce both plays and films, and I hope the stuff that I share on this podcast will inspire you as an actor. So... Uh, I am here with Patrick Lillis, uh, a very dear friend of mine. Directed and developed over 20 solo shows. He's worked on Broadway, off-Broadway. He's been nominated for, uh, won the New York Innovative Theater Award for Outstanding Director, the Fringe Award in New York for Festival Award of Excellence for Directing, a member of Labyrinth, founder of the Farm Theater, and inducted into the Indie Theater of Hall of Fame. And more importantly, someone who I love talking baseball with, and uh, he's the director of my solo show, The American Soldier. So, Patrick, I mean, you've directed a lot of solo shows, and they all, it's like you have a secret sauce, because they're all very successful. Um, how did you first get into directing solo shows? Because, I mean, that's a different beast than anything else. Yeah, uh, that's a good, it's funny, I didn't, I should have thought, like, oh, what was the first one? And I think some of it was, I think some of it was that I didn't have time. <laughs> it was funny, like, I... I had taken on this, I started consulting for nonprofit and I was pursuing directing and all of a sudden I met one-on-one with somebody. I, it might have been at Dina Taubman's A Line on the Sand, like right. 2003, might have been the first one where, I mean, I think I've done others before then, but that was the first one where I sat down and I met the person and and uh, Dina was great. She had this very Anna Devere Smith style thing on Columbine, but we could work three hours because it was just two of us. We could yeah. work any time and all of a sudden... And then I started taking on other things. I was doing this consulting work. I was not directing full projects as much because I was doing new play development. So I could, and I was teaching at NYU's writing program. So I could teach, I could do new play development, and then I could rehearse for like three hours. And if it worked to do 10 to 1, we could do 10 to 1. And right. 4 to 7 worked. And the flexibility was actually the thing that got me. And then and I got invited to do another one right after that. And it was the idea of the, the intimacy of the hearing why the person wanted to tell the story. Right. And connecting and all of a sudden finding it's the same thing of cultivating a new play and finding the story in there. But the, I find with solo shows, the passion for the why is so strong. Right. Do you find that stronger than multi-character plays? Um, because it kind of has to, right? Be. Because you're, it's just you up there, so you can't, like, there's nowhere to there's no, <laughs> you can't hide behind a coffee cup. Well, yeah, and there's funny thing, there's things with the multi, like, I write plays and I've direct, you know, traditional plays. And that idea of, of somebody always says, like, oh, which character is you? Well, they all are in some point, and that's always true. But when you're investing, you know, when you're doing the American Soldier, you have a reason you said that's the idea. Yeah. And you're going to commit to doing everything. You're going to make sure the story's as good as it can be. You're going to make sure the impact is good as it can be. You're never going to hide in the acting. No. You know, and you and, can't, right? Yeah, you can't. Because it's just you. Have to, after a while, you get you get found out. And and why would you do it? Like right. <laughs> it's one thing if somebody you hire somebody and they're not bringing it. But if it's you created it and you're not bringing it and you're the one who had the idea in the past. So it's always, I find the commitment level dramatically higher, higher across the board. I mean, I chose to do a solo show mainly because, well, I thought that it was financially <laughs> cheaper. You know, you and, and it's kind of like you think, you know, I've done some producing before. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to do me. Uh, you, I think it's less people to ha- less people to control, less people to manage. Uh, less money, but it's not. It's actually almost more expensive. Uh, you have to manage even more. Um, so, I mean, what do you think the what are the advantages that you think of, be, of doing a solo show? Well, it's play? funny. I think it becomes more expensive for a different reason. I don't think the 
I think the room rental can be less. I think the props can be less. I think the obviously for but the thing that happens when you do your own solo show, so you don't pay the writer, you don't pay the actor, you know. So it becomes more expensive in a different way because right. you're also the actor and the writer. So you're giving all that time. And you're also doing the job of producer most of the time. I mean, everybody's goal when they're doing a solo show is to find a producer, you know, because if there's that magical people yeah, no. being out there, and it's not going to happen. Well, the advantage is, for me is flexibility. What do you mean? When you say flexibility, like what do you mean? Flexibility meaning you can work around when you know you have to produce. Right? Say you say you're like, oh, you know what I have to do today is I have to market, and I have to, or I have to do an interview, or I have to do something. You're not rescheduling. 12 people. Right. Oh, okay. I was just saying, like, so, so scheduling wise, scheduling, it is easier, right? Because yeah, you just call me and say, hey, can I we do an hour later? Later, yeah. You know, you don't have to call, oh, we got to call six people. Right. You're not calling everybody. And you can plan ahead. And also, there's also something about solo shows that I, I believe it's like three to four days a week maximum. Because, and that's, I mean, I haven't had the luxury of being at the public theater and rehearsing a play like that. But if you're doing it independently, I know that you need the time to also learn the lines and right. do things. So there's a little less time in the room that's committed. So that's also why flexibility is it. The other one is control. of You're really doing it because you have something to say. It's the other one, obviously, of showcasing your own talent, putting yourself in front of everybody, showing that what you can do. But I think it's a, you have something to say. And the residual thing, and this is interesting, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it, is it's empowering. It's, it's incredibly empowering to, to know... As that, you mean as an actor or... As a person. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, like you created a show, you went to Scotland, you presented a show on a topic, you met people that impacted it. It's life-changing. It's, um, I think the number one thing that I've gained, because, you know, as an actor, we all, as all artists, we all have insecurities, you know, like am I good enough, talented enough? And so the beast of doing a solo show when it's just you up there... Like the, the level of confidence you gain moving forward from that is you can't even you can't put a, a value to that because, you know, your memory gets stronger, your lines get stronger, you know, you could do it, you know, and all of a sudden it's almost, you become a different type of performer because I'm just aware for me, I became aware. I mean, I just performed my solo play that I wrote. Yeah, and, it's uh, great. Thanks. Beautiful. Yeah, I just but I became aware through that, that like really literally so silly, but that there's no. Uh, substitute for the work was aware of how much discipline it takes like to be it sounds silly but to be an actor because you there's nobody going to give me a cue right and so I not only did I have to learn the lines but then I had to learn and and the intention and I know that sounds obvious but it's like oh if I hit this then I can cue myself and it's like oh why am I able to flow everything gets heightened when you're on because it's just you up there it's just you and you can't relax for a second no 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 no. And, and you get those moments and I'm sure you felt that as a performer you're like there's moments that you're performing like, oh, man, I'm tired right now. I'm like, oh, shit, I, I got 20 more minutes to go. I mean, I, 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 there's no one coming on. You know, I got I to find the energy. This is it. It's just me. And I got to, yeah, I got to keep the drive. And it was funny. Like, my put, yours was on the, on the PTSD and mine was this topic of suicide. But it was the thing about empowering is before I'd go on, I remember standing backstage and something my director had said to me is like, right, you're doing this because you have something to say. Right. And like, if I remember that I have something to say, it goes so back to where you're saying, like the why, the why, and it's and that why. It, when I talk about empowerment, really empowered me because not only become a stronger actor, but also just a stronger work ethic. Like I, I think I had a good work ethic before, but now I'm I'm aware of how much everything is interdependent. Like 
my putting in the time on this allows me to have the conversation I'm having right. on stage, but I can't have the conversation on stage if I'm sort of... It's funny, I just performed for high school kids, and they asked how much of it was improv. And it was funny, I went, my first writer self was insulted. Like, right. None of it. <laughs> you know? But I thought, oh, the only reason it feels that way because I did the work so that I could relax, so I could play. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, you're, when I saw your show, I actually thought, is he improving? Because you came right on, and you, you were like, kind of like the, the MC or the, you know, the artistic director saying, you know, hey, put, turn your phones down, thanks for coming, <laughs> you know. But then you never went off again, and then, you know, and then it just the play went on. I was like, is he improv? There's no way he's improving this whole thing, you know. But o- over time I realized, oh, no. And I thought, wow, that was really smart, you know, because it's great for the audience because it kind of keeps us off guard, you know, because like, is he going back? Is he starting now? Is he, he's going to go back. Oh, oh, oh. Right, I was it's, just trying to welcome people into yeah. the conversation. Ten minutes later, you're, we're in the show. You're like, hey, wait, it started. It started. <laughs> yeah. um, what I think you do really well, and, and it's a question that I have, is you come into the rehearsal process with basically words on a page, right, and with an idea, and then you're like, okay, you move there, move here. Okay, let's let's grab this intention here. So, I mean, how do you like? How do you start shaping the show? Like, how? Because you do it so confidently, you know. And I remember that that was one of the things that I it, it put me so much at ease because you weren't you were so confident as a director. You know, you're going to go there, and then you're going to go here. You're going to sit there, and I was like, yeah, this is great, you know, because now I can just be the actor. And so I say some of it I take for granted. Some of it, like I just see it, see it, you know, and that's. It's a little bit of spa- history of spatial storytelling. Like, you know, I've been directing 25 years professionally. Right. So, like, that happens. But then there's this other thing that's happened since I started directing, and I think some people do it and some people don't. Some people don't have to work out as hard. Is I can see something like, oh, you're one character in Vietnam. Like, oh, if he sits down on the trunk, and then, oh, this guy stands on the trunk. Then we have a use of dynamic space, but it's just coming. But the So that part... So, like, do you focus... Do you try to focus on shape... Rather than... I, I want to... It's something I became aware of after doing... I was grateful that Nina's play had been workshopped a little before I came in. So I got to see different characters do different things. I realized, oh, the thing about a solo show is you need to figure out... But you have to find a moment to theatricalize and change the space. So I'm looking for that. I'm also looking for if people are playing multiple characters. Like, right. how do I differentiate this person from that person? And space is one way to do it. Physicality... So you, so you kind of like immediately... What you start doing is breaking it down to... Whether if it's a multi-character to character to section to yeah. to really you start slowly breaking it down breaking really fastly and, and and trying to make sure that the so the giving the audience clear clues as to who they're watching because you don't have scene structure in a solo right. show right so you right. can't go okay I'm going to scene one I'm going to do this so if I've done this for scene one I got to go here for go, scene right here. I got to be moving forward and now this has to be the office right. and this you know it's like no it's introducing different people and then what I also find is. Solo shows, I find, like you said, the scene, I find they sit in chapters. Like, even if there's three characters in a row, they're all hitting a certain theme. And this is hitting a certain idea. Because you're you're not jumping all around because you want to, you are moving, but you want to make sure you bring the audience with you. So you're in those chapters, it's like, are they dynamically different? Because if they are, then you want the physical life to be dynamic. Are they subtly different? Then it's like, then physically, you just want to bring it subtly different because you want the audience in unconsciously know how to listen and experience it. And then the other thing I want to say is just to, when you asked, like, you go here, you're going to go here, is I, I also do the homework in the way that I can come in the room, and it's what you want from an actor to play, is I trust. I trust when I see an impulse that... From, you mean in the rehearsal? From the, from the rehearsal, like, oh, I saw that you 
you wanted to do something. Let's do that. Let's, yeah. Let's get you up. Let's do the whole gun. Like because that was another thing that I found about working with you is um, is the level of confidence. I only know from, from from my personal experience, but I always feel confident in the rehearsal process, which is such a huge uh, uh, relief because I was very insecure before the rehearsal process. Because you know, you know, you have material that you kind of put together. You don't know if people are going to be scratching their butts by you know within ten minutes, or people are going to be like, "This guy is horrible." You don't know if you can do it. If you can be a solo show artist, you know, you're like, eh, "Am I too?" <laughs> so, but you come in the rehearsal and you start. I, I guess because you. Now that I see how you do, you've, you've broken down into little sections that it's easier to get confidence section to section to section instead of saying, you know, what's the... Right, right. we have 60 minutes. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Because, and it really is acting like if you're directing and scoring it for the story of it, but you can't play, you know, if you're speech, you can't look at a Hamlet speech and say, I'm going to play the whole speech. I'm playing minute to minute to minute. To so beat. if you're really looking at beat to beat and you're playing it organically and honestly... And you're finding why, 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 then those things start to happen. And then the job is to say, and then I think the job is to watch and go, oh, that impulse was great, that impulse was great. You know, we need to bring this down because we want to hear. How do you, um, how do you like grab an actor's stocks? I'm sure, like, from like Adina and me were very different actress. I mean, night and day. (laughs) And people who don't know Adina, she's a female and she's, uh, she's very gentle, and she's directing a play about uh, Columbine. And if you can use your imagination, we're very different creatures. Uh, as artists, so I would imagine her style is much different than my style. You know, so how do you like grab your style and, and still allow? First thing I do is I read the script, and then I meet the person, and I put the script aside, and I talk to them and say, "Oh, why do you why do you want to do the play?" Was, and, well, yeah, that was another thing I was going to. That's a great question to ask. Always, you know? why? And, and but and so I hear that because most of the time the script's okay. But if I start to hear why, then I start to see if the script is better than I thought because, oh, that's in here, or, oh, we need to work on the script because that's an interesting... Because the person always has a good reason. Plus, when you hear the person talk, you start to see their personality. You start to see their energy. You start right. to get to... Because that's... So that, does that tell you, like, okay, this guy's a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, the show's going to probably lean in this direction. This girl's this way. I'm going to lean in this way. This and, and there's a little more confidence, right. and there's more, and there's like, oh, this person wants to be funny. Right. You know, like, so you oh, can't make, you can't, so once you get that vibe from an art, from an actor, you can't say a funny person, we're going to try to make them aggressive because it's, it's not going to fit. That's not what they do. And also, right. and also, they didn't sign up to do the solo show because they wanted to become a different person. Right. Right. I mean, maybe if you're Whoopi Goldberg and you're doing yeah. hard characters and you've done something oh, and, you, and you're already a performer, <laughs> yeah. but somebody else is coming in because they want to use their instrument to do something. Never, you know, you, you don't, I never thought about that, Patrick. Like, yeah, when you do a solo show, you, it, it, the only way it can be successful is if it's your DNA, yeah. right? You can't. Unless, you know, maybe, but even John Leguizamo, he uses his that's DNA. Him, that's him. That's him all the way. Boom. I mean, on, on steroids. He's like right. amazing. Exactly. So you can't really, I never thought about that, but yeah, you. But we're not going to take him and do Mark Twain. Right. Because it's I mean, not I'm not saying work. that he couldn't, but, and he could now because he could sell a ticket, but his first solo show isn't, I couldn't imagine Leguizamo's going to come and say, I want to do Mark Twain. Right. You know? Yeah, I'm going to do, do all 60 minutes of Mark Twain. <laughs> I guess so. I, I guess that vibe when you meet an actor, I mean, like, what compels you to say, you know, I'm sure you've said no before. So, what compels you to say yes, and what compels you in an actor? Is it the story or both the vibe and the actor? Story. Well, story and why. 
Why? You know, the why, the, when I ask why you want to do it. Because when I start to hear that, then I start to see how hard the person's going to work. Right. And that's because... That's vital, right? That's vital. Yeah, that's, you can't do it. I can't. There's nothing I can do. I can't. You, you, you'd have to pay me to write the script, and then it's not your show. Because right. a lot of, a lot of, for me, directing a solo show early. I never. I think. You know what I say? No. Can I get an email from somebody that says I have an award-winning solo show? Because I'm like, well, you don't need me. Go for it. Go for it. You know, <laughs> right. your show's great. And if they tell me like the script is finished, then I'm like, yeah, why do you need me? Then? You don't need me. You, you need a lighting designer. You need, you, yeah. Or, or you need a director who just wants to stay here, but I want to get underneath it. If we right. get underneath it, we're going to find out the script needs to change. Not that it has to, but it's probably going to want to. So those are the listening. Listening's the other one. It was funny. I think about the why, the passion, but also when they listen. If, if the person doesn't listen, I'm like, that's not going to be an enjoyable three hours. And like, you know, when you're doing the introduction about the fact that we're dear friends and we've gone to baseball games and it's... Um, when you do a solo show, you're not, they're not a cast member in a play. You get invested in their story, why they want to tell that story. I mean, yeah, you're, you're just spending time with that dude or yeah. a girl. And, and, you're just, and you're talking about I mean, the artistry, their personal presentation and investment as the actor, and then why they're committing 20 hours a week outside of rehearsal minimum to getting it done. You're going to know everything about them, you know, or you're going to know a lot about them. And it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. It's interesting. So it's, it's. Do you want to spend time with the person? But th those are things that make me want to spend time with them: is personality, why, and do they listen? Not like do they listen? Like they'll do everything I say. I just want to know I was heard. Yeah, I mean, I think people who are listening to this, I think the most valuable thing that I remember when I first met Patrick, that was the first question he asked me, and I had been working on my story for a while, and so I was really lost, and and I. I, I listened to Craig Lucas talk, and he says, when you start working on a show more than two, three years, you're in trouble. Um, and so I was feeling really in trouble because I was already like five years in. But that was the first, it was the why question, because you said, why do you want to do this show? It gave me such clear focus. It was just, it was like, then it made the writing easier. It made the editing easier. The editing, which was the hardest part, right? Because yeah. you, you vomit so much that you don't know what's good and what's not. And then I just think that was a really powerful question that you always ask. And I would imagine you ask that with every solo show artist. Yeah. Why you do that. Yeah. Uh, why you want to do the show. Because it's, it's crystallizing in a way. And it's, and it's interesting because I'm doing a show on, uh, I'm helping somebody develop their show on anxiety. And I've already done a show, a solo show on anxiety. Did you see Kelly Kinsella's When Thoughts Attack? No. I directed it. It was... Uh, right, right. I've seen Lee's and Adina's uh, yeah. and yours. She she's hilarious. She's very funny. She understands it. She gets on top of it. She got a uh, sense of improv and stand up in her, and also willing to take the emotional risk. And the person I'm starting and her reason for doing that journey was very specific. And this person's show is nothing like that. It's the same thing. So when it came to the why, because I went, well, what am I going to learn about? Because that's the other thing. Why do I do it? Like I'm like, I want to be interested. Yeah. You know, if you're doing something on PTSD, I want to learn about it. I want to be. I want to have an impact. So the story is important to you as well. Yeah, and I have to go on the journey through the process. Right. Because if I was really cool and we're getting along really well, but my story was stupid. Or, or if I've already done, if I've done 
two shows on PTSD. Right. I'm like, so if some other guy came now, hey, I have a very similar theme. You're like, well, I kind of, I've done that already. If he said why, and he said, oh, because my wife just got back from, and I want to tell her story. Oh, oh okay. that's a different thing. Right. You did the entire history of the American becomes War. Becomes a different story. Becomes a different story, right. and I'm gonna, it's gonna become a different personal experience. So, and this person, the why was listening to them, and go, oh, you. You have a, she's a highly intellectual paralyzed because she's paralysis, not paralyzed, paralysis because she can't let go of any detail right. and has to keep searching. Collects so much. That and I thought, oh, that's a different story. This is a person who moves from one fear to another to another. This is a person who's accumulating stuff. And I, and at the end of our meeting, I thought, oh, this energy is going to meet this person. It is accumulating. And uh, I thought, oh, it's going to be it's going to be an interesting journey because I'm going to find out that what that's like and what that paralysis is. And I'm interested because I think I have it marginally that kind of anxiety and a little bit of paralysis. But I went, but I don't have it this way. Right, right. If I can understand it a little better, maybe I can either cut myself some slack or or get over it. What's the most? I mean, like, where do you find the most satisfaction? When you're directing the show, I mean, do you find it that first night at the opening, we're like, oh my gosh, yeah, I did it again, you know, and I see this, because you, you take something that's paper, and then you meet for three to four weeks with some guy or girl, and then next thing you know, you have a full house, and you have a story, and I, I could only imagine that must be immensely satisfying, but do you find a different, is there a point in the rehearsal period where you're like, okay, now it is really nice what I'm doing, and... Because yeah. every artist says that, right? I mean, yeah. I know I do. I love it. Yeah, my, I have two two points in it. One is when I say, one, I'm always excited early, early in the process when we discover what it's really about. Yeah, process. And once I get, you yeah. know, once I get that moment, then like you were saying about the editing and the writing, so I'm like, well, now we know what we're doing, and that's exciting. Then for me, the most exciting moment is we brought in minimal design elements for your play, but very effective ones. And yeah. once it's put in the room, when I see the play in the room, that's what I'm most excited because you can't control the you audience. Mean like when you say the room on stage? No, in rehearsal. In like, rehearsal. If, like if we were in a rehearsal room and you do a run through, but the play happens, the experience, I have the experience of watching it, then I know the play is al- alive and it's, we did our work and it's great. That's when I feel the best because the audience, all of a sudden, the audience thing, it's great that you asked that question because the audience with a solo show is the hardest thing for a solo person to learn is that all of a sudden they have a new scene partner because that's their scene partner. The audience. The audience. And whether they're doing a private thing on stage and it's a given circumstance and this person or they're really narrating to the and talking direct address to the audience, either way, that response is going to be so viscerally different and you're not looking at your scene partner. No. You're feeling the audience. It's very true. And it's going to take... I know that it takes a solo show in my experience you have to put that thing up at least four times before you know what you really have yeah. because you're you've created something in the room. but the room told me that we have what we were seeking now they're shaping and something new so I love that moment in the room and then the thing I love is after about three months or doing it maybe more than ten times hearing the artist talk about the experience with the show because it was funny, like just emails from Edinburgh when you were there. It's like, oh, here's somebody who now know, not only is performing their show, but they're having a sense of being a, an advocate for a cause. Yeah. No. And that advocacy is when you say with the pride, 
tour, you know, I did it again. It's like, no, it's the discovery, ownership of the show. And then the pride is like, oh, we're having an impact. It's, I mean, you hit it on the head. When I was in, when I did the show in Houston, I, I thought I had discovered just about every beat in the show. And I got to Houston, and I think a lot of it was because I had time to, I had done it so much and so intense for a while that when I did it in Houston, things marinated better. So when I, and so things that I was re-bringing back up were now very comfortable with. You know, what they say, you know, like, you, I, I don't know if it's Edwin Booth or someone, but someone very famous actor, old actor, said that, you know, a show doesn't, doesn't even get to be good until about eight weeks of re- after perf- rehearsal and performance. And so I felt really good, and I was finding stuff that we talked about in a rehearsal, and I was hitting them, and I found other beats that I didn't notice, and then and had an impact because I was I showed some of those veteran letters from people who were who were replying back to me, and I was like, wow, this show is it's gotten. Um, like I think I mentioned it to you. I, it's the best it's ever been, yeah. and I thought that I we had already reached but something was great earlier. <laughs> yeah, and, and it just it's gotten it's richer now. I guess also because you're so more comfortable in it, you know, like it's a... Well, and now you're not, you know, the first time you do it, it's unfair. You don't know what you have. You're terrified. Yeah. And you're, if you could pee in your pants and people yeah. not laugh at you, you would. Because you you're yeah. just like, you're, it's, it's, a, it's a level of, of anxiety that you're like... Oh. You don't, because you don't... It, don't forget your new, lines. It's you a know? new play. It's a new play. It's never been done before. Nobody right. knows what to expect. And it's you. And you, like you said, in 10 minutes, they could be bored. Now, they're not... You got to trust the rehearsal room. That's why I say in the room, like, oh, I know we have something, but you don't know. And I didn't. I'm grateful to have performed in my solo show because I now, you know, you sort of put yourself. What's well, going to make you a better director? It makes me. A, I have such more empathy for it. I always knew the neurotic experience that the actors having. Like when you said, I'm going to. I would say my lines every day of performance. I'd go for a run and say them out loud. Yeah. And then I'd take a shower after the run, and in the middle of the shower, I'd be like, I don't remember my lines. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I would do it in the hotel. I, like I, whenever I was by myself, I would do it in the hotel, and I'd run it. And then there'd be moments when you like there. It's always that moment right before you go on that there's like a, there's a section you want to run right because you're not really. And then you you take your thought off it. and You're like, what's my next line? What's my next line? And you're like, I'm about to go on. Oh no, I got to run that line. I got to run that line in my head. I got to run that line. What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? Okay, you know. So I would, yeah. So I just reminded myself every time before I go on stage, just say the first line out loud. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> muscle memory really kicks in. It does. How, how do you think shows have changed? I mean, I think now should people make the decision, whether it's true or not, make the decision to do solo shows today because financially it's a little bit more feasible than for producers even. Like equity showcases are very expensive even. Yeah. No one even does those anymore. But, I mean, how do you think they've changed in 20 years? And, and I say that, I mean, do you think they've gotten shorter? Do you think they've gotten simpler? Do you think they've gotten more funny i think i see a little bit of everything but for me they've gotten simpler and they've got and also that's funny i don't know if they've gotten shorter or longer but i've taken out length as a need yeah like you don't have to if you do over an hour you're putting yourself at risk of not being able to book the show after that experience and you know it's one thing if you're going to get picked up and be brought into a commercial off-Broadway house or something, sure, you know, that hour and 15, hour and 20 minutes makes a difference for people or, you know, Twilight, you know, I saw that, like, it's two acts, I think, you know, it's a full event. But yeah. most of the time, I think time, I'm not as worried about, especially because you're developing something, so you can put something up that's 20 minutes, you can put it up 40 minutes an hour. I also think it's about simplicity of figuring out how can you manage something to travel with it, because... It does, I, I, and this is not, I don't know if this speaks to the industry or something like that. I just think it's about people figuring out how can I 
do the show, how can I make this my calling card? And if it's my calling card, it needs to go to Houston. Right. It needs to go to Scotland. There's not going to be a truck. You know, you're no. not Lily Tomlin and John Legadamo and people like that, you know. I think that's one of your greatest gifts. Besides the process that you help the actor with and the shaping and the styling, even though I thought when I chose an army trunk that that was really simple, little did I know. People, you know, it's going to be heavy. Yeah, people haven't seen my show. You know, when you do a solo show, yeah, when you pick an army trunk, you don't think that you're going to have to carry the army trunk to rehearsal, carry it away from rehearsal, carry it to the theater, carry it away from theater. You're not going to be able to store it, you know. So, but all your shows to a degree, are fairly simple. And I think set-wise, it was really simple. And I find it that it's a, it's a rare purity that you don't see on stage anymore, you know, because it, you're forced to focus on theater. On story. On yeah. story. Not, you know, oh, look at that light change or look at that set change. or. And we did. It was funny because, like, there's some – you're right. Like, I loved what we did because we oh, had the course. flag behind it. It was very simple. It all fit in the trunk. Yeah. And, but had all the elements of, to allow it to be beautiful, the letter and, uh, and things. But I think of like uh, Adina's show had video in it. Yeah, she did. She had projection in it. But, but her set was still pretty that's simple. That's now easier to do because right. you can put the projection on the computer. You're traveling with a projector that's tiny, so it's in a laptop. You can probably bag. run it from your phone now. Yeah, I mean, it's so much simpler to do. You just need to, in her materials, is a screen and, you know, figuring out. And the screen is a. Uh, in that particular show, it's like a bed sheet that's a kind right. about school shootings. Yeah, you can get pretty creative with that. With a homecoming, so it's great. What's the biggest problem you face when you're creating a solo show with a, with an actor? I mean, that's the biggest problem. That's the, the first thing people I people who don't is, realize the work. There's two things that have two things that happen. One has to happen early on is you have to be willing to be honest. Meaning, you have to tell that you want to find the stakes in a story. And I know that sounds simple, but you have to be honest with yourself. And if you're going to go in front of a hundred people or how many people and tell a story for an hour. You have to be willing to be honest with the facts of the story. The story doesn't have to be biographical. Right, no. But you have to be honest. Mine wasn't. For people listening to yeah. this, mine wasn't. And Adina's wasn't. Right, But you have right. to get underneath all of it for to own it. And if you're going to do a self, if you want to tell your story of Lee Kaplan, who I directed about bullying, and he was great because nobody worked harder. Uh, you know, but you have to talk about when you were suicidal from bullying, right. from picked on, why you were picked on, how it, how it still impacts you 30 years later, right. you know. And so when I find people aren't willing to be honest, then I'm like, well, then we're stuck because you don't have to expose everything to the audience. But, but you, you have to expose. But you have to expose. You have to reveal something. You can't tell me you have a compelling story but not reveal the wound that right. you're out there. To show. No, because people are there to see... Um, they want to see themselves. They want, yeah, they want to see themselves. You're that, as everyone Albie says, you're the mirror that's reflecting back, whether it's a good mirror or a bad mirror. But you're the you, mirror. Have, you have to reflect. Yeah. Because if not, then theater's dead. And if you you can't cover up, because we cover up every day. Right. So we're not learning anything, and we're not feeling validated because we're not seeing ourselves, and that's the validation that comes. And so that's the number one thing. And the second thing is the work. It's like so funny. We're talking about eight weeks of running. I'm doing a, directing a play right now. It's a very complex situation and somebody's committed suicide and a bunch of friends are getting together and it's the end of the play and the twin of the person who committed suicide is learning this revelatory thing that is that her brother was gay and didn't she didn't know. I love the actress who's playing it and we're just playing this part of like you have to be grasping while this is happening. You have to not be on top of it. You have to let yourself be out of control as you're learning this information. Right. And I remember it was so funny. She'd stopped yesterday or something. She's like, oh, 
so hard. <laughs> yeah. <And> I thought, <laughs> that was my response. I'm like, yes. Yes. Oh, I, I mean, I remember, I, there's so many days I remember coming to rehearsal with you. And there was days like this. It was kind of warm outside. And I remember going, gosh, I, and I was tired. Like, I don't want to rehearse the show. Like, I just don't want to do this right now. And I'm very motivated, so I can drive myself into it. But I remember, you know, we'd sit, we'd talk sometimes, we'd speak for 20 minutes on baseball just to get my enough energy to start going. And then you'd finally go, all right, let's go to work. And I'm like, oh, are you sure? You know? But no, you don't, you don't, re I think you, as a performer, you don't realize the intensity of the work because it's all you and you have to, you know, I always made a really concerted effort to, okay, be off book. Know what we worked on last week. I I do my notes because I was a, I was always a big fan of you because I've seen you work at Labyrinth. I was like, that's a guy I really want to work with. He's he's amazing. And then people would tell me, oh yeah, he's really amazing. So I was kind of like, I feel like I had no leverage. So I felt like you know I was kind of a little intimidated. You know, I wanted to make sure that Patrick yes. he was glad that he signed on for this what I thought shit show. You know, <laughs> you know. I actually appreciated that because I remember early on you would say that you wouldn't say that, but you'd sort of ask like, "Hey, is this you're feeling like it's worth your time? You're yeah. doing, you know?" And no, I thought, because I had tremendous respect for you, I was, and so and I. And, but you know, there was those moments where you were just like, oh, "I'm tired. This is a, this is way more work than I thought." You know, I didn't think I thought I was just going to learn some monologues and I was going to be shaped up and that's it. But you know, because I think what you don't notice as a performer is when you're in a rehearsal and it's not working. That's when the work starts, yeah. right? And yeah. and that's a very scary feeling because it feels like an abyss. Because you feel like, oh man, and you know, you're like, I've, we're past the point of no return, you know. So we got to make this work, and it's really you got to make this work, and the director's going to shape you into it. But at the end of the day, you as a performer have to bring and, it. And even if I, because it's true. I mean, that's the that's the other thing I'm learning as as a director is like, I can't do the work. I can inspire. I can conjole. I can. I can try to explain. You have to go there. As an I can actor. question. I can do everything, but you have to. You have to open go your there. heart, and and you have to sit at home for an hour and a half and look at your lines right. and do whatever process it is for you to learn those, so that the rest of it's not. Yeah, because it's not fair for the director or for you to come into the rehearsal process, and that was my greatest concern to sit here and like going, okay, we're doing stuff that you should have done at home already, and we're losing time, we're losing day. Um, I'm tired. I'm sure you're tired because I can only imagine to try. You know, yeah. I, I'm in the sport, so you have to kind of motivate. You ha you have to motivate. You can't even when you're tired. You can't be coming in too tired because if the actor's tired, that's not a good recipe for success. Well, the other thing I wanted to say on the other side of that, when you said something, I forgot what it was, but it was about the when I said the audience is a scene partner. One of my jobs in the room is to bring energy as the director because it is unfair. If you're performing and I'm not giving back, as a, I'm your scene partner. I have to have th something else happening in my mind. You have I have a third to have, eye. I have to have a third eye. I have to be directing and I have to be thinking critically and I have yeah. to be making sure the story's happening and I have to be watching and paying attention and making sure that if you are doing something that's a, that, that, that you're engaging, that I'm engaging back. Yeah. Because if I'm like, okay, I'm tired and I'm sitting back, that's, you're working three times as hard. And it's like, it's not fair. And I, I've caught myself when you said, oh, you come in, you're tired. It's like, I've caught myself and going, you're not doing your job today. Like, I can, and my job is not just to direct. Some of my job is to be the audience. No, you're a motivator. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, be you're, the you're the solid thing, you know, that people are leaning up against. So I can only imagine the amount of work that goes on besides shaping and directing all the things that a director has to do. When it's just one person there, the you have to drive that energy through because 
there's days when an actor's motivated and he's feeling good. It's like, let's say, you know, there are a couple of rehearsals. We would have great rehearsals. So I was like chomping on the bit to come back. And then there were days when it was just dead and you're like, oh. And then you were, you were like, okay, well, tomorrow we're going we're gonna to rehearse that section again. I'm like, <laughs> what, is that, what does that mean? Because I'm, I'm not going to figure it out tonight what that section is, you know. Yeah, so I mean, I, I, would, I can only imagine that that's, it's a huge part of directing, yeah. just being that motivator. And also trusting, it's funny when you said we're going to work that section again, the most important thing to remember is when you said, I'm not going to figure it out. I'm like, no, it's we're going to rehearse that tomorrow. We're going to figure it out. Right. You know, if we both know it didn't work today, not because one of us sucked. Right. It's because both of us don't have traction for it. I would imagine there's directors who don't have that, especially solo show directors. Or I mean, you're a director, but people yeah. who direct solo shows. It, it's actually relaxing for the actor when a director says, I don't know the answer, right? Because um, it says, okay, we're on the same page here, so that means I can contribute, right? And yeah. I've worked with directors who they act like they know all the answers, and then you can't contribute because they know all the answers. So you, it creates a it, there's a reverse effect, right? It makes you more insecure. Now you're doing, and also, also, um, if, if you know all the answers, A, tell me. Yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> save me a lot of time. But B, then it's this thing of like, am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? And it's like, there's no right or wrong. Right. You know, it's very funny, about to be Yoda or something. There's no you're no. right or wrong. There's only do, you know. And, there's, right. and in Peter Brook's book, you know, there's only better. Right. You know, like, this is more right. You know, we don't know why. Um, it, what's the main piece of advice you would give an actor starting to work on a solo show? Uh, the number one thing is for me is find a, have something you're compelled to talk about. Something passion. Yeah, you have to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. Because if you feel like, oh, I want to create a showcase for myself, that's a reason to start, but find the thing that lights the fire in you right. that's going to be that. You know? Yeah, you better be very passionate about your subject because um, if you're not, you're not going to be willing to put in the hours of the yeah. research and the study and the, because if you're like oh, I did this because I think this is kind of popular and cool you're going to you're going to run out of steam on the hard days you're going to run out of steam and, and it is it's like it, it could, because then you're the producer and like you were saying about cost you're raising the money you're putting in the money you're putting in the time you're you're doing four jobs minimum that you're probably not paying yourself for and it's like do the thing you're passionate about because when you're done when you go on stage to do that solo show, whether it's to do a clown character, whether it's to do a solo cabaret act, or it's to do PTSD or a show on suicide, you're going out to to have a, a relationship with an audience because you care. Right. And a second you go out and you're like, oh, I just want to be loved. Is that the biggest mistake you see actors make when they're doing a solo show? Well, I think the start, just when you said when somebody's starting, I think the starting is like, oh, I'm talented. I, I want to create an opportunity for myself. And I'm like, I always go, you, you are talented. I have no doubt about that. Right. But, but this. Goes back to the why. The why. Because you're going to, because say it's mildly successful, you're going to live with the play for a year, minimum. Yeah. No, I know. I've lived mine. It's been almost two years it's now. Been, yeah, because I was saying, we had this moment that I'm going to share since it's recorded, but our first public presentation was on Memorial Day. That's right. And like little magic like that happens. You're doing a play about the military and PTSD and it's Memorial Day. It was Day. actually even before that, if you think about it, because we did the first draft of it when we had Shakespeare in it. Yeah. To those four or five people. Right. Well, that's different. That's a test. Right. So it was that's a test. started. I was just thinking for the audience. Yeah. And that no, was right. just luck of scheduling. Right. Yeah. And a little bit of like, is this luck? It's Memorial Day. Who's going to come see this depressing, serious topic? And it's like, oh, There's a people great there. group of people came, and it was the right topic on the right day, and everybody felt validated. But that was, 
yeah, the, the, I'll talk about the four or five people coming early, earlier as a test to find out what you have. But but I was thinking that we launched it, it just, and magical things happened because all of a sudden you realize, oh, we're doing on Memorial Day. This play is important. And then, but yes, it's a, two years from the beginning of that journey of us working together. You still are having people book the show. You yeah. still have a relationship, and that's not going to well, happen I mean, if, if you're it, like, "Oh, it, I could do ten songs." When I started this project, I can't, I can't even stress the level of security I had, and where the show has gotten. Besides getting amazing reviews here and in Scotland, because we did it at Fifty Nine East Fifty Nine, but we were nominated for uh, uh, an Amnesty Award for Theater Excellence, and so, and that was out of uh, I think three thousand shows in Scotland, or fifteen, some, a lot of shows, and. That's all a credit to you. That is, without a doubt, a credit to how you were able... Because, yes, I did perform, and yes, I brought it, but you need a jockey on the horse. You know what I'm saying? The horse, the horse is just going to go in circles, and that's where I was going. I was just going in circles. So you could be a stallion, but until you get a jockey on it, you're not going to go anywhere. And so that was a huge credit to you, and it just adds another feather to the many feathers in your cap. Thanks. Um, Thanks. We're being recorded, so I'm shy because I was going to say that's it's nice, but the truth is, for me, it's only any of that only happens because the person does the work. Yes, you know, no, you definitely you have know. to do the work. I think that's we the, met, and I agree because I think, like you had said, you'd worked on it for a while, and you sort of got to this place with it, and you're like, I don't know what to do with it. And then once we cracked open what to do with it and where the excitement was, it became scary because you know you're, you the days were coming that you're going to have to be on stage and do this thing. <laughs> But there was also a level of, of of exhilaration knowing that you've... I mean, we took an idea, and we took work that I had researched and letters that I had researched, and we turned it into a, a, an evening of theater. A, a clear, precise, impactful journey. And it's a, it, it's an amazing process. And I mean, I think one of the things that you used to always say to me is, what you're really interested in is in process. Yeah. And we definitely had that. And I'm sure all your performers had that. And I think that's what kind of... I saw Lee, I think... I saw Leah. Oh, he came to my show, and we t- we spoke, and I said it's kind of like he he creates brothers and sisters, you know. And we talked over email many times, and you know, and because I've, I haven't talked to Adina much, but I've talked to Lee a lot, and we kind of like we know we've been through the same battles, you know, yeah. the same wars Similar with ways. the same general, you know, <laughs> and so you create a level of, of kinship that you can't explain. And so whenever we see each other, we always I know I'm sure I. He does because I think of Patrick first. I say, hey, what's up, man? What are you yeah. doing? You know, you know. And so there's a Patrick. No, and I love that he showed up because he showed up right East Fifty Ninth when yeah. he did it. I remember that and it meant so much to me because I was like, oh right. But I do like this. It's funny you say that because this. Well, you were sold out, dude. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, I'm sure half of those people there were somehow affiliated with solo shows that you have worked with. A so, lot of, so maybe not half, but a lot of them. A were. lot of them were, man. So yeah. that's an, a tribute to you. Um, we're almost wrapping up here. Um, what advice would you give a director who's starting to work on a solo show? Um, you have to like people. Okay. <laughs> For sure. I mean, I know that sounds obvious. No, but you're theater, right. But you have to like people, and yeah. you have to be innately interested in who they are. Mm. Um, curious and patient. Uh, I think the most important thing is to know, like you, were, what you were just saying about that, the, that we're in – to general, but the idea that we're in a conversation is as much as the other person has to listen, the biggest skill I think for the solo show director is listening and being able to listen and and hear what's valuable, what's valuable in their why they're doing the show, what's valuable in the material they bring to you, and what's really hearing what's really valuable that you're seeing on stage that's going to make a story. And then 
and then echo it back to them. Because when they start to hear what you think is valuable, this is how you're going to find out. This is how I find out if I want to work with the person. I, and I know I did it with you. I say back to you what I heard. Oh, here's what I heard. And I start talking. You hope the ball comes back. And if, if you get excited by what you heard that I heard from you, if you get excited thinking, yes, that is the show I want to do. Yes, you pulled out the things that are important to me. Oh, yes, I hear a structure. Right. Then it's like, so it's listening, but then uh, validating them by sending it back. And then that's the beginning because on that, they because from there you can go anywhere with the rehearsal process because they know they're being heard. The performer knows it. They know they're being valued, and you're probably making them feel better than they did in yeah. the beginning. Oh, I, that was the thing for me it. because I was like, oh, I was just happy. Like, this guy knows what he's doing. I, I knew you knew what he was doing, but now he, I'm involved with someone who knows what they're doing. And it's just ex, ex, exhilarating because you're, you're like, yeah, yeah, I want to do that. You, you know, you'd bring up moments about scenes. It's like, yeah, I want to do that. You know, that oh, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. So I can only imagine if someone's going, no, nah, I don't want to do that. That would be very right, draining. Right. Or somebody tell you, it's funny, I have one of my favorite people, and we're going to wrap up, I know, but my friend Cindy Kiter, uh, whose dad is a Hall of Fame sports announcer, uh-huh. um, Les Kiter, but she called me to say, I didn't know her, she got my name from somebody, <laughs> said, can I talk to you? It was great. I remember, I'll never forget because I said, it's the bottom of the ninth, can I call you back? <laughs> and she, that's when she knew we were going to connect. But the person that read her script and said, this isn't a story, it doesn't make any sense to me. And she was going to give up. Right. You know, and somebody said, call me, and I called, and we and I met and did the same thing I did, put the script to the side, to tell me story. And it was like, hey, she's fascinating. Everything she does, she could tell you about lunch and you'd think you went to a play. Like, right. she's got this enthusiasm. But it was a love letter to her father. You know, this this play, basically, as an homage. And I, that's when you hear that and you go, oh, well, this is important. We're going to make this happen. And uh, and she got, before he passed away, she got to perform it in Hawaii where he lived in front of a huge audience that he was at. And it's like, that's one of the proudest things I think I've ever done in my theater career because it worked. But it's that idea that somebody would look at a script if somebody wrote something, right. has a story, and they say, this doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. You can say, I'm not connecting to it, but to dismiss it, right. nobody sat down to write a bad play. No. Like, that's just not... I think also what I would tell directors, because in my journey of creating this this beast, I, I, I took it to workshops. I remember this one guy, he was uh, he had a workshop in like a Berkeley career or something. He was just horrible. But it wasn't because he was horrible because he didn't know what the hell he was doing. But I've ne- he was negative, like negative, negative. And I think all directors have to have a level of kindness in the rehearsal process, which you have. Because that's what the artist needs. They need to feel a kindness and a level of optimism and encouraging, not like, well, that's, that's a dumb idea. I mean, he literally would say, that's a, to, to other people, and I'm fairly confident, but he would say, <laughs> to other people, he would say, that's a dumb idea. I, wouldn't, and I, I, don't, think, I don't think it's going to work that way. I'm like, I wanted to go, who the fuck are you telling this girl <laughs> it's a dumb idea? You know, and... Um, that's- uh, so yeah, so that would be my advice, which because I think I think that's one of the things you have is kindness. It's true because you're going to be kind because they're taking a risk yeah. in front of you. We're all going to be disciplined, and there's a time to say like, "Hey, you got to shape up, or we got to do this, or right. whatever." But if you're not kind, you're not encouraging people to take risk and to and to, to do something surprising or no, wonderful. It's, it's huge. Well, is there a solo show or an artist that has inspired you the most? You uh, can even say a director. 
Well, there's a. It's my. It's Peter Brook, and I've only seen a little bit of his work, but but I read his Empty Space, and that sounds so simple because I think he's inspired every director who after the 1960s. But I just like the essence of the immediate theater. Immediate theater. You know that thing that he talks about in the book is yeah. the immediate. And it's then, a book I need to read. And it's. I will get you a copy because I have a couple. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, it's, it, no, it is. It's because of that immediate gets to be to why, why are we doing it? Why do I have to do this play today for this audience? Right. And when I understand that, that's the immediacy because... Kind of serves a story. Because I don't want to... Perf- I'm, not, I'm not... I started as an actor, but I was never a performer. I didn't need to be seen. I needed to tell a story. Right. And so that's the major one. Uh, is there a book that you think all actors should read? I think The Empty Space. That's Great. nailed that. Good. Yeah. Uh, is there a favorite documentary film? First one that comes to my mind is Hoop Dreams, so I'm going to say that one because you're asking me. I don't think I've seen that. Hoop Dreams you'd love. They follow the two basketball prodigies in Chicago, high school kids who are trying to get into a college. And it's just great because it tells – I mean, there's other documentaries, I'm sure, that are brilliant, but that one sticks with me mainly because it's sports because there's – you know, this ch- the challenge to succeed is so hard. Oh, yeah. Especially you, in basketball. How hard they have to work, where they are. Anything can happen. Injury can happen. Uh, death, tra- death can happen. Early parenting can happen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. and just because you get to a Division One school or not doesn't dictate whether you're successful. No. You know, I, there was a guy who I, I trained with. He told me there's only about 300 suited-up professional basketball players in the NBA. When you think of the perspective of how many people play basketball and how only 300... Are going to play pro. Are going to play pro. Yeah. Well, there's only 300 suited-up. Then you go to Division One, then yeah. Division Three. <laughs> and, then, and then you can even, you can even say the there's only 150 starters. So to be, on, to be a starter on an NBA team is huge. It's huge. I mean, people make fun of people. Like, oh, he sucks. He doesn't suck. He doesn't suck. He doesn't suck. That's the thing. When you hear that, whenever I hear that in the stands, and I have a friend of mine who's also a big baseball fan, whenever we hear Same thing somebody player. chants, you suck, it's like, not really. Not really. <laughs> He's playing pro ball yeah. at a very high level. Um, uh, advice that you would give to yourself 10 years ago and 10 years from now? Uh, wow, I didn't think about 10 years from now. So I'm going to go 10 years ago first. Ten years ago first, I'd be – it's something that I have a hard time with. I would tell everybody when you're working. What do you mean? Because market and promote. And, oh, and don't let be, people know let that people you are know, working. Let people know. And I, I know this is a fact that, like, nobody will come. That's okay. They, they, they pay attention and they know you're working. And when you do meet them ten years from the moment right you now, and the, they'll, they'll be aware that, like, oh, you were doing all this stuff, even though they never came. And you're not a pain in the ass. You know if you're a pain in the ass. You know if you're aggressive and you're over <laughs> insensitive and you're self-grandizing and you bring it up every People time. Want every to know lunch, but they want to know you're working. Yeah. And I and I that's I'm, good advice. Patrick. I'm hesitant on it. I don't even know what I you know. It's like I'm making a point, but I was watching myself with the solo show that I wrote and I was in and how much the, the topic mattered. So I was tweeting and I was emailing artistic directors to say this is important to me i'd like you to come i only came because you sent the email out and i said yeah and i sent it to you. i sent it very funny that you said this i would have never people. known and i and, and and i saw the email so i kept the email and i thought yeah i'm gonna go make sure i see the show and that was and, and it was telling people and you can tell them when it's important and you can tell them when you want them to know but tell people because i i 
I'm not great at that. I'm trying to get better. But ten years ago, I wish I was doing it because there was a lot of, and I wish I was more. Well, I think aggressive. all actors have that problem, and I get you just have to be fearless at it. Because you can get all the work in the world, right. but and you can be great at it. But if you if that's not reaching a circle beyond the people, yeah, it's good advice because I have casting directors on my newsletter list, and they don't check out. You know, they're like they're interested. You know, and they don't check out. They want to know. They can't come to anything. No, no. They can't. I mean, it's funny. I make that joke like. If I directed a play for an artistic director and I did it in their living room, they'd go out to eat that night. Like, I, I know they can't see everything, it's in, but that doesn't mean they're not paying attention. And what I've learned, but what I see from other people is when they're supposed to be there, when the person's supposed to be there, when the attention is supposed to be drawn from a community, it happens. Right. You know, but the accumulation of knowledge is important. And the thing that's funny, what do I want to tell myself from to do that? 10 years now is like, 10 years from now is like, well, keep doing that. But the other thing is, uh, hopefully what I'm learning now in this moment is to make a living better, to be, you're worth the money. That's today's lesson. Yeah. So that 10 years from now, I can say, all right, are, are you, it's still something I do now, but are you creating the opportunity for the next people? Right. Because. And that's a big process. That's a big deal for you is, is a, a community of theater. Yeah, and I think it's a it's something that there needs to... I love this conversation. There's something that needs to happen, which is the legacy of helping. It really is a craft that is learned from one generation to the next generation to the next, and to make sure that you're helping people not only create opportunities, but opportunities to grow. Sending the elevator down. Yeah. Yeah. The last one I have is, if you could put a message on the billboard for all for actors and directors to see... What would it say? Just for the artist to see as a reminder? It could be anything. It could be, you know, don't do it. Or <laughs> it could be, uh, uh, do it. I don't know. Um, it's very fun, just do it, the Nike thing. Yeah. Well, my very first thought on that was... It could be profound or it could be not. My, my thing is, is to go, I don't know, right, is the big thing that's up there. And it says, I don't know isn't the thing that stops you. That's the thing that starts the investigation. Right. Like, I don't know isn't the end. That's the beginning of the work, and it's exciting. That's great, man. That's great. I have to ask this question. I was fortunate because I knew people, and I always marketed, which goes into, because that's how I knew Daniela, because I'm always staying connected with people. Yeah. How does an actor find a director like you? Um, well, here's what I would say is that I believe it's about community. And, you know, I have a theater company called The Farm Theater, farmtheater.org. Check it out. <laughs> um, but then we do these things called bullpen sessions, which are pulling people in a room, talking on a topic. The reason those are important besides learning about the topic is learning about community. Because put yourself around the people who you think are good, who share your values. And from the people who share your values, you want to keep working with them, but they're going to know other people who share your values who have different skills. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to ask. Yeah. And it's... I have to, I hate, I feel like I have a disease of forgetfulness, but that thing of don't forget to ask, don't be afraid to ask, nobody does this without help. No. And everybody needs help. No. So ask. Craig Lucas said that. Actually, Craig Lucas is the, he's the one who got me on the journey to find you because he referred me to some girl named Jill. She's kind of a big regional director. She was interested, but then she, she her, our schedules never worked out. And then so she goes, I know somebody who works uh, with the lab rat company, and there's a girl there named Danielle. I'm like, I know Danielle. And so she goes, you should reach out to them. And I reached out to them, and I talked to her, and then and bounced to you, man. That's awesome. Thanks, Patrick. Thanks for this meeting. Thanks for this meeting. This was great. Thank you.